Welcome to the Chasing Simple Podcast. You're listening to episode 43, and I'm your host, Amanda Warfield. Today, I am so excited because I'm joined by Anna Dearman Cornick today, who is also a time management coach. I know this is the second time management coach in a row that I've had on the podcast as a guest, but there really aren't that many of us. And so every time I connect with one, I just get so excited and I could not wait to introduce you guys to Anna. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a time management coach. Like I said, she's a wife and a mom who helps busy professionals and business owners master time management so that they can stop feeling overwhelmed and start spending time on what matters most. Anna believes that success and stress don't have to go hand in hand, and that busy is not a badge of honor. As the host of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance, Anna shares time management tips, productivity strategies, and real-life advice to help her listeners make the most of their time. In addition to teaching actionable takeaways, Anna interviews other go-getters to find out how they can navigate family, friends, fulfilling careers, and full schedules. Building on more than a decade of experience in the fast-moving, high-stakes world of political and crisis communications, Anna knows a thing or two about using her time well. Early in her career, she served as the chief spokesperson for a lieutenant governor and managed the hectic schedule of a U.S. congressman. She's helped small business owners, nonprofits, political candidates, Fortune 100 companies, and executives focus on what matters most. And today, she and I are going to talk all about how she went from struggling to step into who she really was as a coach versus doing what she thought she should be doing to prioritizing her values on the pages of her planner. And we're going to have a nice little nerdy discussion on the origin of the word priority, which I don't know if that excites you, but it really excited me and it was a great conversation. And I think it's an important conversation for you to hear. So I'm so pumped that you're here. Without further ado, we're going to hop right on in and let Anna introduce herself. How do I run a successful business from my home? How can I possibly wear all of the hats? Am I the only one that struggles with staying organized? What am I supposed to do about work-life balance? How can I create a solid schedule and routine? How do I even stay productive? And the biggest question of all How do I manage it all? And can I really create a business that I love without being chained to my laptop? Welcome to the Chasing Simple Podcast, where hard conversations and actionable education meet simplicity. I'm your host, Amanda Warfield, time management coach, online educator, and crazy cat mama. My mission is to help overwhelmed biz owners get more done in less time so that they have more time and energy for what matters most. If you feel overwhelmed or occasionally lost in the roller coaster that is entrepreneurship, I want you to know that you aren't alone. Those things you're feeling, you aren't the first or the last to feel that way. The hard things you're going through, someone else has already been there too. Each week, I'll bring you transparent conversations, actionable steps, and a judgment-free community to encourage and equip you. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever your drink of choice is and meet me here each week for love, support, practical tips, and advice on simplifying your biz. Let's do this entrepreneurship thing together, shall we? Hey friends, so before we dive into this episode, I just want to take a moment to make sure that you're aware of this resource that I've created for you. So content creation, it's a lot of work, right? First, you've got to decide what to post about, then you've got to outline it. Next comes your rough draft, then your edits, and a second edit, and then more edits, and then you finally got your final draft. But then you still have to format it, 
create and choose the graphics and images you're going to use, and then finally you can schedule it. But that doesn't even include any of the work you have to do once it's out there for the world. It's exhausting, right? Now you already know that I am all about using batching to speed this process up. But I kept hearing from y'all that the actual creation process also just takes a really long time for you. So I created a free audio training for you. Eight tips for faster content creation. This training is all about the actual writing process and how you can speed that along. And as always, it's really quick to listen to, learn from, and implement. If you're ready to speed up your content creation process, head on over to amandawarfield.com forward slash resources. Again, that's amandawarfield.com forward slash resources to snag that free audio training. Hit pause, get your hands on it, and start simplifying the content creation process. And then, of course, you can jump right back into this amazing episode. Anna, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have another time management coach on the podcast. I just think this is so exciting. And I know we've talked about this over and over again, that it's so fun to be able to support each other and to lift each other up, even though we're in such a similar sphere, but also there are so few of us, which makes it so fun to connect with other time management coaches. So go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone because they're obviously going to want to know more about you. Yes. Well, Amanda, first of all, thank you so, so much for inviting me to join you on the show. I have loved getting to know you and it's just such a joy to be spending time with you today. So my name is Anna Dearman Cornick and I am a time management coach. So I help busy professionals and business owners, um, stop feeling overwhelmed so they can start spending time on what matters most. And I'm also the host of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire women seeking better work, life, and balance. So in addition to what I do for work, which of course I'm going to end up leading with work because I'm such an Enneagram three, (laughs) but I am a wife to my husband, Scott, a mom to my little girl, Camilla, and I have a new little one that will be joining us in mid-March. So exciting. Exciting and, you know, kind of scary and just like what's what's life going to be like next but I know we're in for a big adventure and as much as I love to try and plan all the things as you know stereotypical for a time management coach I was talking with a friend of mine this morning about how you know there's really only so much that we can control and then we just kind of have to let go and see what happens and be ready to adapt I've never been a mom of two before, so we'll just have to see what that's like. I feel like having kids must be the ultimate uh, realization that our grasping for control is really just a facade. Yes, that is accurate because once once you introduce another little life, you know, whether you have a child or you adopt a child or you're a foster parent, having that responsibility, your priorities just completely change. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) (laughs) right? I love it. I mean, it's such an important conversation though. So for everyone listening, it's like, what is going on? Uh, We're going to get into a very specific conversation about the word priority today and how we can utilize it a little better in our life. But And I just want to start with kind of going back to the beginning of your business. 
And when you were first starting to coach, could you tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you? What maybe work-life balance looked like for you at that point? Yeah, absolutely. Well, little known fact, I actually started as a leadership coach. I called myself a leadership coach and had aspirations of helping clients with productivity, team building, and communications. I mean, how many of us jump into the business world and want to do all the things at once, right? (laughs) We really want to try and you know, use all of the skills and all of the talents that we have. And of course, as a result, we end up spreading ourselves so thin that we're not really making our mark anywhere, right? And so that was my true entry into into coaching, to the coaching world, was calling myself a leadership coach. And it wasn't until after I had my little girl, Camilla, and I started working with a coach myself that I drilled down and worked past some fears, fears of niching down, niching down, niching down. Is that a thing that everybody does? It's like, what, what is yeah. it? Which one? I feel like we, we never know what, like, does anyone know what the right terminology is? You know what? <laughs> when we wrap up our interview, I am going to Google it. I'm going to figure out once and for all if it's niche or niche or if it's niche I don't know whatever is it like so, I don't know <laughs> I mean how many of us run into that early in our business where we we get so afraid to pick one thing because we're afraid that well, what if that one thing doesn't pan out and so for me I had always had this interest this passion for productivity and time management and you know, my one of my first jobs out of college, I was actually the scheduler for a United States congressman managing one of the most hectic schedules in the country. So not only was he a brand new congressman, he was also the first Vietnamese congressman ever elected. And so he was very in like high demand. And so it was just nonstop, go, 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 always changing. Um, I'd always had such an interest in reading books about time management productivity but I had this fear around picking it because I didn't know any time management coaches. I was so new to coaching. I barely knew any coaches to begin with, but really going all in on time management felt scary. And so in my very first meeting with this coach that I was working with, the one thing that I walked away from that first meeting with was the decision that I'm going to be a time management coach. I am going to go all in on this and this will be my focus. And this is what I will become known for. And that, that was a very pivotal, pivotal day. It was May 22nd, 2019. I can even tell you the exact day because I wrote about it in my sentence a day journal. That's such a, (laughs) that's such an Enneagram three um, (laughs) sentence. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I want to go back in time a little bit back before May 22nd. Yeah. What was it like as you were trying to coach as a leadership coach? What did that feel like for you? So as a leadership coach, I really spent more time doing workshops and speaking engagements than one-on-one. I 
truth be told, don't think I did any one-on-one at that point because I was, my focus was so broad. It wasn't even a focus. It was just, you know, leadership. What am I doing? And so I actually spent a lot more time speaking and giving workshops. But of course, I kept being asked to give speeches and workshops on time management and productivity. And so that's, that's how I, you know, it's, it's always such a combination of things that come together and we don't always see the clues as they're presenting ourselves, whether we don't want to see them or we're oblivious, but all of the signs, all of the hints, all of the, you know, little nudges were pointing in the direction of time management. And then when I made that decision after, I don't want to say floundering, but just, you know, trying to do all of the things, it was both terrifying and a relief at the same time because I had made the decision that now it was time to really go all in on it. I think that's such a good point about a lot of the big decisions we make in our business, running businesses, is that we can know or be pretty confident in them, but also they're terrifying. Yeah. I felt the same way when I transitioned from simple living into time management for business owners. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is what I need to be doing. Those breadcrumbs are there. Yes. But also this is so scary. What if it what if I'm wrong? What if it doesn't work? And then of course that hasn't been the case at all. But right. it is terrifying. But also there is that relief of I finally figured out my place. Yes. This is the right step. Yes. You know that question that people like to ask? Career coaches ask it. You know, it's a fun icebreaker question. If money was no object and you could do anything, what would you do? I would do this. Like literally, like if money was no object, like I would still want to be a time management coach. I would still want to have my podcast. I would still want to help other people in this way. I just can't imagine doing anything else. Um, and that's really, that's such a comforting feeling. Like this is, this is it. This is what I want to do. Once I made the decision to go all in on time management, you know, the new struggle then became, who am I as a coach? How do I show up? How do I help? What is that way that I want to serve? And who is it that I want to serve? Because, you know, there are so many different directions that I can take. And it's one thing to make that decision. Like, I'm going to do this, but how? Then, and, and, how am I going to show up and how are my values demonstrated in the way that I serve? And so after making the decision to be a time management coach, the next struggle became figuring out how to be myself as a coach, because, you know, we start to look to our left and our right for other examples and other people to model and other people to learn from And through the coaching certification course that I took in order to learn how to be a good coach, you know, I thought that's what coaching was supposed to be like. I thought that's what I was supposed to sound like. And I was supposed to be this super wise, um, sage of a coach and, you know, ask these very eloquent and powerful questions. And then when I got into my one-on-one coaching sessions with my very early clients, 
I was trying to play a role. I was trying to show up as somebody else's version of being a coach because I thought that's what you had to do to be successful. And it took, it took a while for, for me to finally realize that I could just show up as myself. <laughs> who, who to fuck it, right? You know, that I could just, that I could crack jokes on my calls, that I could stutter and, you know, screw up my words and still be a great coach. And once I, once I let go of that search, that attempt at being someone else and just started to show up as Anna, Anna the coach, that is when the magic really started to happen. Because I wasn't holding back. I wasn't holding back myself or my personality. I wasn't trying to find what the perfect words were. I wasn't trying to ask the perfect question. I just felt like I could be myself. And it was in being myself that that's when my clients really started to, you know, get it or to, to make big moves and find confidence in themselves. It's almost as if the confidence that I started to have in myself started to rub off on them. And that's really led from me almost like hiding in a corner being like, hi, hi, yes, I, I can help you with time management to hello. I am here. I am going to be goofy in Instagram lives and I am going to, you know, post funny faces on Instagram and just tell you about eating butter and getting caught by my, you know, intern dorm roommates. Cause that happened. And that's, and if you don't like it, that's okay. It's okay. Like you don't, you don't have to, we, we, you don't have to love every single thing about me. That's fine. I might not be the coach for you, but I'm going to show up at my, as myself because I would so much rather be the best version of myself than, you know, a second rate wannabe version of some other coach. And so that's, um, that's when the magic started happening is when I really started to just be cool with being myself. I think that that gives such great permission to everyone to just embrace the imperfections because like you said, your clients want you, they want what you can teach. And if you are so focused on being perfect or being someone else's idea of what a coach is, that's going to smother all of the good stuff that you bring to the table because you're, you're going to be so focused on that. You're not going to be able to bring out all of your knowledge and your expertise and your experience and then like you said, when you embrace the imperfections, that's when the real confidence comes out, which I think is such, it's not how we would think, right? We think if we can reach perfection, if we can be the best version of whatever it is that we're doing, then we'll become confident. But it's actually by stripping all of that away and just being like, I'm really clumsy and my cat is loud and interrupts podcast episodes <laughs> and I got caught eating butter. Like that's when people really connect with us. That's when our confidence builds, when we embrace who we are and what we do. Yeah. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Preach. That's it. So earlier you mentioned that you 
were having troubles bringing your values into what you were doing and into your coaching. How did that change moving forward once you started to really embrace who you are and your imperfections? How were you able to bring your values into that and how did that kind of uh, show itself? Sure. So I'd say that I was never, I've never been a big fan of things like vision boards or core values exercises or vision casting and just things like that. I, I was a serious professional and I looked at that kind of stuff as silly. Like, let's get down to business. Let's just do the work. All of that stuff is fluff. But it was in basically making myself, you know, I I was exposed to a core values exercise years ago. I I honestly, at this point, cannot remember where it, where I learned about it, where it came into play. But I told myself, look, just do it. Let's just, let's just do this core values exercise. Let's see what happens. Worst case scenario, you lose, you lose some time. You, You lose a couple minutes of your life. Best case scenario, you get something out of it. And so, as in doing this core values exercise where you go through the process of really understanding, you know, what are your core values? What are those words that represent who you are, what you believe in, your essence as a person? You know, they say the power is in the process. And that's when I really, that's when it clicked. That's when I got it. That's when I had that first opportunity to really dig deep and think through who am I? What is important to me? And how can I allow these values to show up center stage in my life? You know, one of the first, one of the first things that I do whenever I work with new time management clients is, you know, we do a time study and we take a very, you know, clear up close and personal look at how they're spending their time. And one of the questions I ask is, you know, are the things that you value reflected on the pages of your calendar? And it's a very sobering moment for many of them because they become to recognize that their days and their weeks are filled with other people's expectations and obligations that don't have deep meaning for them because they've said yes to satisfy other people because they've said yes in order to meet someone else's expectation. And you know, that's when we really start to, you know, look deeply at, okay, what does matter most? Let's, let's really drill down into what your core values are in order to make sure that those are reflected on the pages of your calendar. And so, you know, I had to do that deep work myself before I could, before I could be a good coach. Like I had to know what those core values were for myself. And, you know, the best way that I can say that they're reflected in my calendar now is through setting up an ideal week. Okay. And I won't, I won't get too into the nitty gritty of this, but part of having an ideal week, which is basically a template for how you want to spend your time in a given week is really deciding, okay, what are those folders, those immovable, non-negotiable, most important things in my life that are a reflection of my values. You know, if you go to the about page on my website, I've got them right there. You can see my values. They are right there. I'm like just putting them out there. And 
the very first one is family first. My family will always come first. And so when I design my ideal week, when I'm having my weekly planning session to set my schedule for the week ahead, I don't look at my work priorities first. I don't look at my work to-do list. I make sure that there is time intentionally set aside for my family. Two really great examples of that are bedtime and bath time with Camilla. That is a huge non-negotiable for me. Every evening at 6.30, we start bath time, bedtime routine. I will decline speaking engagements. I will decline Zoom meetings. I will decline opportunities to speak to someone's mastermind at 6.30 because that time absolutely comes first. And during the early days of the pandemic, when we were all at home, um, another really important boulder in my life was our daily turtle walks. So we live in, we live in Mandeville, Louisiana, which is right across Lake Pontchartrain from New Orleans, about 45 minutes from New Orleans. And our home is really close to this gorgeous walking and biking trail called the Tammany Trace. And so every day at about three o'clock when Camilla would wake up from her nap, I would, you know, pour a glass of wine and give her a cook, like her cookies and her after nap, after nap snack and put her in the stroller. And we would walk to the Tammany Trace all the way to this little bridge that had turtles underneath it. And we would just, we would go visit the turtles. And that was our daily turtle walk. It was time outside, time together, time in nature, time for sanity. <laughs> and that was a non-negotiable in my day, my turtle walks and my, um, and the bedtime bath time routine. And so it's, I mean, maybe it sounds silly, but it's putting those things first and not allowing them to be an afterthought because so often it's easy to get swept up in what's urgent, what's on fire, what's important. And then those things, those people that we truly care about end up getting our leftovers. And that's not what we want. That's not what they want, but it comes from putting those things first. So I'd say that's probably the biggest, most apparent way that my values are demonstrated in my calendar now, day to day. I love it everything you just said, all of it, every less for everyone listening, I feel like I've been sitting here nodding my head for like five minutes. Um, yes, absolutely. All of it. I, I, I don't really have anything to add because it was, that was great. Um, but I think that so often, like you said, we, we don't put those fences around what matters, those boundaries. We don't put them around the boulders that matter. And then all of a sudden it's the end of the day and I haven't hung out with Russell. I haven't played with the cats. I haven't taken time for myself and I'm too tired to do any of it. Right. And now as you were saying all of that, you kept using the word boulders mm-hmm. where I think most people would have used the word priorities. Ah, can you share a little bit about that? <laughs> sure. So when it comes to priorities, When it comes to teaching priorities, even better, I love to use the visuals of boulders, big rocks, and pebbles. And 
I, I love using such visual, you know, easily recognizable examples because you know, boulders are giant. They're really difficult to move. They're heavy. You can't just, you know, pop them over to Tuesday if they don't fit on the Monday because they're just there. And then big rocks are smaller than boulders, but still take up a lot of space. So I look at boulders as being, you know, your, those most important things in your life. Those important but not urgent things that could very easily go on the back burner if you don't watch out. So that's why they're boulders. That's why they they go into your they go into your calendar first. The second piece, those big rocks. Big rocks are urgent, important. These are the things that you know move the needle in your life and business, but they've got a little bit of wiggle room in where you place them. And when you've got your boulders in first, then you have to look for the remaining space to put your big rocks. And then pebbles, tiny little bitty pebbles, which if we don't watch out, have the ability to take over our lives because there, there are so many of them. They're small things like making a dentist appointment or, you know, I don't know, updating a password in something. Just, you know, those random little things that just pop up that can accidentally take up all of our time. And so those pebbles fit in, in the spaces between the boulders and the big rocks. And so, you know, it's easy to look at all of the different things in our lives and to say, you know, I just have too many priorities. I have so many priorities. I have you know, so many things that are important to me and I'm so overwhelmed because there's so much on my plate. But one thing that I learned and, you know, you and I have talked about this, but one thing that I've learned while I was studying multitasking, another thing that we could probably do a completely separate episode on, (laughs) but While I was learning about multitasking, I uncovered the origin of the word priority and learning this tidbit completely, you could say, changed my perspective on priorities or just priority. So are you ready for me to get into this? Super excited about this. I'm going to (laughs) nerd out about it. It's going to happen. So, and I'll actually say that, um, this actually is from the book Essentialism. Have you, have you read Essentialism? Okay. One of the best books out there. Yeah. Greg McCown, great book, Essentialism. So, um, in the book Essentialism, the author explains that the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s. So, you know, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue just for a little bit of, perspective. (laughs) Priority came into the English language in the 1400s. It was singular. It was never meant to be pluralized. It meant the very first or the prior thing. Get it? Priorities. The very first or the prior thing. It stayed singular for the next 500 years. Think about that. Nobody put an S on the end of priority for 500 years. Only in the 1900s did we begin to pluralize priority and start talking about priorities. 
So this word priority that was only meant, and yes, language can evolve. Words can evolve. I mean, what? Selfie is in the dictionary now. Things <laughs> happen. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, think, words evolve, things happen. But here's the thing. And this is what, this is what McCown says in the book that really gets me. He says, illogically, we reasoned that by changing the word that we could bend reality. Somehow, we would now be able to have multiple first things. You can't have multiple first things. There can only be one first thing. And so cue the overwhelm, cue the confusion that so many of us have when it comes to, quote unquote, balancing priorities. No. One. One priority. But the cool thing is, is that your priority can change from day to day, from week to week, from season to season. But the thing is, is that there can only be one. I feel like that's from a movie. What movie is that from where it's like, there can only be one? I don't, I don't have a know. clue. I'm not a movie person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a thing, but we'll figure it out one day. But like people, and it even says in the book that people and companies try to have multiple priorities, which only leads to things getting confusing and muddled. And when you don't know the most important thing, you don't know what to do first. You don't know where to direct your energy, your attention, and it just, leaves you feeling overwhelmed. So priority means one. I love it so much. And I love the nerding out of it. It's best. <laughs> I would love to get your take on this because I think that a lot of times we try to have multiple priorities mm-hmm. out of guilt. Mm-hmm. Out of okay. guilt for well, if I don't say that my family's the first priority, I'm a bad mom or wife. If I don't say that my job's the first priority, I'm a bad employee. And I don't know, that's just my personal two cents. So I don't know if you have similar feelings, if you don't agree, just curious. So I think that we can have a top priority in life we can have a top priority in our family life. We can have a top priority in our business and we can have a top priority for the next hour. My priority right now is engaging with you and having this awesome conversation on this podcast episode. I'm not doing anything else. That is it. This is the one thing that I'm focused on. But the overarching priority in my business in this season is to grow my podcast. And every business decision that I make may not at face value look like it is aligned with that priority. But that, that priority, that focus to grow my podcast is what is anchoring every decision that I'm making. Like, is this, is this decision, is how I'm spending Tuesday 
getting me closer to that, to achieving that priority, to, you know, focusing on that priority, or is it moving me away from it? And it's the same thing with our families. You know, if your top priority in your family, in your relationship is to spend more quality time together, you know, we could also dive into the love languages because I'm sure that would be super fun. But if you know that your, you know, partner, spouse, husband is a quality time person, your priority in your relationship might be prioritizing quality time, whatever that may look like for you. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to say that, you know, my one priority in my entire life is just this one thing, which means that I have to pick a specific area of my life. No, we're whole people. We have, we have a lot on our plate. We have a lot going on. And it's the, the concept of priority, meaning one, it, it can be on one hand, a relief for some people because they realize, oh, wait, like I really can just focus on one thing. But it can also be scary for some others because then it makes them feel like they have to choose. But you're not choosing just one thing. You're creating a focus. You can create a focus for different areas of your life and it can ebb and flow and it can change. But in the end, there can only be one top priority. There can only be one first thing. Kind of like going back to niching down or niching down, creating a focus. Yes. Turned full circle really nicely. If you could give the listeners one action step that they could take this week to start really living into their business priority, this season of their business, what would it be? Sure. So the challenge that I would give you, give the listeners that I give myself on a weekly, daily basis is to start each day by identifying your top three. Your top three for the week your top three for the day. This is something I do nearly every day that has become a really great practice because, you know, it's one thing to have a long to-do list with 37 things on it. And it's another to really examine what's on that list. What are the most important things? And then by actually going through the process of ranking them one, two, and three, you have to choose what is the most important thing that I can do today to move the needle in my business? And by making that decision, by clarifying, you know, this is the most important thing. This is the second most important thing. And this is the third most important thing. When you start your day knowing what, what you need to do, you're going to be more likely to, to do the most important thing. And Right now in the season of life that I'm in, a top three is working really well for me. But there have been times in this, this in 2020 when a top one was all that I could make happen. And I relieved a lot of pressure on myself uh, by just choosing my top one for the day is to do this. And it still involved that process of thinking through, okay, what are, what are the overarching goals for my business right now? What am I focusing on in this season? And then what's the one thing that I can do to move the needle? And like I said, it just really reinforces that priority. It helps you get clear 
on what matters most, what's effective, what moves the needle. And it takes a lot of pressure off of you to do 37 things on a to-do list. <laughs> so I would say that, you know, start by making a top three at, at the beginning of your week and every morning. And if you're more comfortable with a top two or a top one, go with that. You know, whatever works. It's not time management is not a one size fits all thing. You've got to do what works best for you. Yes. I love it. So we've already talked about one really awesome book, but if you could recommend one book that everyone should go read, what would it be? <laughs> the one book that I would recommend that everyone go read right now is called, you ready for this? The One Thing <laughs> by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. Y'all, this book changed my life. The way that this book just, I don't know, turns you on to the reality of, of life and time and, you know, becoming an expert in something, you know, not, not in the sense of like some famous expert speaking on stages, but you know, your expertise could be in being the most amazing preschool teacher that you could be, or the most amazing calligrapher, or the most amazing social media manager. But it's really focusing in on, you know, what is the one thing that I can do right now, that by doing it, everything else is easier and unnecessary. And it is such an, it introduces you to such an amazing decision-making framework. And, oh, it also dives into time blocking and task batching and Parkinson's law and just all of this, all of this, this really great time management productivity strategy, but it does it in a way that is understandable. You don't have to be some kind of, you know, time management and efficiency scholar to, to get it. I mean, this is what like reading it blew my mind. And I I gave away a copy recently in a giveaway that I did. I give I've given this book away to countless friends. It is just it is phenomenal. The one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. Run, don't walk. Get it now. I have not read that one actually. <gasps> I have it. It's like on my wish list on the library app. So I'm gonna have to move it up. Yes, please do. Please do. It is just, it is so good. If you liked essentialism, you yeah. will love the one thing. Yep. Okay. I'm definitely, I'm going to, I'm going to move that up as soon as we get off of this call, actually. Okay. So don't forget. I'm going to check in with you and ask you what you thought about it. I'll let you know for sure. <laughs> I'm pretty pumped. I love, I need all the good book recommendations. So, okay. This has been so wonderful. I don't think I'm going to be able to cut much of anything out of this episode. So sorry for everyone who's still here that this was so long, but there's just, this was amazing. And I could just sit here and listen to you talk about all this for hours. So I really appreciate you coming on. Anna, this has been great. Well, Amanda, thank you for having me. It, like I said, it is such an honor to be invited to join you on the show. It has been such a joy to spend time with you, to get to know you. I am so excited to keep in touch. And I really hope that we have, you know, the opportunity just to keep, you know, running into each other online and hopefully work together in some way one day. I just yes. feel like that would be just such a match made in heaven. That would be so fun.
Oh, I like that. Okay. <laughs> so everyone is listening. I know that you want more of Anna and I know that you want more of her tips and what she shares. So definitely go check out her podcast. It's about time. It's phenomenal and you're going to love it. Is there anywhere else that they should connect with you outside of the podcast? So really, I would just love to invite you guys to tune in <laughs> to, to It's About Time. Just like you said, tune in to It's About Time. You can find me on Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes drop every single Monday. And I love to switch back and forth between you know, instructional, simple how-tos and interviews with other go-getters finding out about how they do life. But if you uh, want to come find me on Instagram, you can come find me there either being silly in reels or, you know, just having fun with it because that's, that's what it's all about. You know, it's having fun and serving others. And you can find me on Instagram at Anna D. Cornick. So I would love to be friends. Perfect. And we'll have everything linked in the show notes for you guys. So it's all easy to find. Thank you again, Anna. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me here today, friend. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you'd leave a rating and review. This is a great way to help spread the word about this podcast and help other wonderful women like yourself find it. You can find this episode show notes as well as tons of other great resources over at amandawarfield.com. And if you aren't following me on Instagram yet, I'd love to connect with you over there. I'm at Mrs. Amanda Warfield. Shoot me a DM and tell me what you loved most about this episode. Thanks for being here, friend. I'll see you next time.